0: Good morning, everybody. Today, what we're doing is we're going to wrap up this uh, message series, and our goal for this series has been to uh, to look at the Bible and how the Bible itself guides us through life. We're trying to really help um, everyone just to gather to really get a better grip on the Scripture, how it reveals who God really is, and it, it teaches us how to live His way. and uh, I did want to say, uh, we are having this Lord's Supper, Scott mentioned that, on Thursday night, really in preparation for Easter. So, Thursday night um, would have been uh, the night of, of Christ's Last Supper, and so we are at least wanting to kind of trace back the uh, from Palm Sunday, and so on Thursday night, we're actually going to start with Palm Sunday by looking at Palm Sunday, talking about its significance, talk about Thursday night and the significance of Thursday night, Friday, Friday, um, day that Jesus was crucified, and then Sunday. And so we'll be kind of walking through the Passion Week at our Lord's Supper. I really would uh, just encourage you to come out. It would be a time to really um, to consider anything that may be blocking your relationship to God, to confess stuff to God, things that maybe we we can pile things up and, and kind of quiet our ear to uh, God's voice, to His Word, and just get stuck in places. And so Thursday night would be a time to really let go of some things and also to reconcile with anybody in your life that you feel like there's a tension with or that there's, you know, a, a problem with. And so before we take the Lord's Supper, we're told to clear things up with God and with others. And so we're going to take that seriously by just spending some time doing that. And I would really encourage you to come out. It's going to be a special night together. And so but today we're wrapping up this series. I invite you to take out the listening guide. And the first week we, we began looking at how. God revealed himself to us through the Bible. first week's message was called Revealed, and we just looked at how the Bible is is God's message. It's, if it weren't for him revealing himself to us, we would not know him, and we wouldn't be able to learn who he is. And, and so he did this. He gave us this so that we could know him. And then second week, we looked at how the Bible provides. Um, there is clarity that can be provided as we learn how to understand and interpret it, how to handle it accurately. And so that second week, uh, we just looked at, Proper interpretation, like how do you handle the Bible accurately. And then the third week, last week, we looked at how from the scripture we get expert advice and guidance in life. And today what I want to do is kind of pull all of that together to show how the Bible gives us everyday instruction. That it can help us in all the arenas of life. Everything that we're facing in life. If we will dig into the Bible, we can ultimately uh, understand it and then begin to apply it to all these different arenas of uh, what, what you and I face week in and week out. Um, if you're like me, then you're probably motivated to do the things that you're good at. And so um, the things that you enjoy and the things that benefit you the most, those are probably the things you spend a lot of time doing. Um, so if there's a sport you're particularly good at, you probably, you know, gravitate towards that activity and, and spending time in that. Um, that's what you want to do. Uh, if you're good at games and, and there's a certain even board game that you're really good at, you might be Inclined to invite people to your house so that you can beat them in that game that you're really good at, and if you're if you're more of a sport guy, you might invite them to the court so you can beat them on the court. If you're if you're a really talented singer, then you're going to spend time naturally doing, you know, getting on stage or um, looking for opportunities to perform if you have this amazing talent. And um, but if something is a waste of your time, then you're naturally not going to spend much time doing it. And uh, I used to hate running for exercise. Um, I wouldn't say that I hate running for exercise anymore. Um, but I also wouldn't say I love running for exercise. But as I've tried to build up this habit, I've suffered through trying to build the habit of running for exercise. Uh, but what I learned to do is combine something I really enjoy with running for exercise. And so something I really enjoy is I can listen to audiobooks that I'm trying to work through and I can do that while I'm running for exercise. I can plug that in, put my earbuds in, and I can go on and a jog. And now, honestly, I can say I actually look forward to the uh, the fact that I can knock something off my checklist. And I can, actually, I can knock a couple things off my checklist. You know, cholesterol down, that chapter down. Uh, but God, when it comes to the scripture, you know, God didn't give us the Bible so that we would look at it as, oh, this book that I've got to suffer through reading it and applying it. As you gain skill in handling the Bible, reading it and studying it, it it, it can become enjoyable. It can become really truly beneficial because uh, God answers questions that we have through his word. And then you begin to crave it more and more because of just how helpful it is. And what you discover is this. This is the top of your listening guide. God gave us the Bible to instruct us in every aspect of life. This is really a summary of what we've been talking about these last four weeks. God gave us the Bible to instruct us in every aspect of life. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul is writing to a younger apprentice of his who he'd invested a lot of time in, a pastor, um, really a leader, but a younger leader named Timothy. Paul writes this to Timothy. He said, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may may be complete, equipped for every good work. So in this series, what we're trying to do is give perspective and handles to help you get started on gaining the skills that you need to get the most out of the Bible. This passage, what it does, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it gives you an overview of the benefits of soaking in God's word every day. This this two verses right here, these two verses, they're kind of like an aerial map of how God instructs us, how God corrects us, how he trains us. Every time we get into the Bible for ourselves, this is the aerial map. And here's a diagram that kind of visually illustrates the, these points. And I want to define some of these words from Second Timothy 3.16. It says that, you know, the Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Teaching, that word, it implies teaching shows us how to get on the path that God wants us to walk on. Whether you're hearing the word taught or whether you're reading it for yourself, there's this instruction that goes on where you're, you're learning about the path that God wants you to walk upon. And then, sometimes you read it and you're reproved. There's reproof that goes on. Reproof shows you when you've, you've gotten off the path. You were walking on the path, all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're reading the Scripture and you realize, wow, I've gotten off the path. And so you're reproved by the Scripture. And then the word correction, it means, it shows you how to get right back on the path. How to get back onto the right path, the one that He wants you on. And then, it's also there, the Scripture is for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness shows us how to stay on the right path. For our lives Now, this process, this is the process that God uses to make us complete. This is the process He uses to equip us for every good work, is what the Scripture is saying. You see, the Bible has something to say about every good work. It talks about our self-image. It talks about other people. It talks about who God is, His character. It talks about our role in family life, our role on the job, our role in relating to the society, to the government, our role in church life. Our role, like just, you know, guarding our, our words and what we say and what we do. This just goes on and on and on about all of life. So all, every good work flows from having a correct understanding of what God has said about all of life. But why is it so difficult to actually pick up the Bible and read it? Because it's a challenge, isn't it? We've looked at this and we've identified that this is a real challenge to be faithful, to spend time with God and His Word. Here are some of the most common obstacles to read in the Bible. Number one, Time. We would say, man, I'm just too busy. And I, I would say, I'm too busy. You would say, I'm just, I'm so busy with my life. I've got alarms that go off that remind me to brush my teeth, that remind me to, that remind me to you know, comb my hair, that remind me to, it's time for a shower, it's time to do my clothes, it's time to get up, it's time to get to the gym. And so we have all these alarms and there's all this stuff pressing in on us. And when everything is so urgent like that, the Bible's the easiest thing to just discard and to just cover up. Actually, it can get covered up with all of our stuff going on. It can get kind of under a pile. Where is that thing? I know it's around here somewhere. But it's funny what we'll make time for, isn't it? Bink, the alarm goes off. Oh, time for the run. You know, So I'm out on the pavement. For you, I don't know what that is. But we have these things that we try not to miss. We try to, to keep carved out in our schedule. Yesterday, we had a yard sale. And I didn't want to get up at 6 and start pulling stuff out and selling it. But we had this plan, and we told one of our neighbors that we were going to do this. And so, sure enough, we did it, you know. And, and why did I do that? Well, I was motivated. I wanted to organize my garage. I wanted to sell some things. I wanted to make some money from those things that I sold so I could get more junk in my garage and sell it at another yard sale. And But why am I motivated to block this out of my schedule and do this? Why am I not motivated to run? Why am I motivated to do these different things I do in my life? And I make time for it. This is an obstacle though when it comes to reading the Bible. is this time issue. Another obstacle is, is laziness. I can identify with this. There's times where I just don't want to read the Bible because it's work. And seeking to understand it, seeking to focus my mind is, it's hard to do this. It takes, you know, it takes some time. And frankly, it's so much easier to just turn something on. It's so much easier to to read the sports scores, to read the news. It's, it's so much easier to just engage in something else where we can just kind of check out mentally and and so it's it's tough to unpack the Bible. That's that's an obstacle. Another obstacle is frustration or or confusion. You open it up and you start reading names, Jehoshaphat, Sinai. You read of these places, you know. And there's some you fami- you get familiar with. Oh, Egypt, I know that. Great Sea, I can read that. But then you get to others and you're just like, what? Where is this? Who are these people? Who names people these things? And and you. You get frustrated because you can't pronounce things. You don't understand the culture. Well, Facebook it's so much easier, so I'm just going to stay there. Or, or the news is so much easier, they just keep it really... Well, that's that's one of our obstacles. Another obstacle is sin or rebellion. This is a true obstacle. If the Bible shows us what is not right about us, it shows us when we get off the path, then... Sometimes I don't want to know that. Sometimes I don't want to know that I'm off the path. So, you know, sometimes we struggle to read it because of these different obstacles. And then also, to top it off, we have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy who wants us to keep us out of the Bible because he wants us to damage our lives by just setting off on our own path. So the battle, it rages on. Whenever you open the Bible up to read it, and whenever you pray, the battle rages against you. That's not a coincidence. It's a spiritual This is a spiritual pursuit, and you have a spiritual enemy. But which is it? I can personally relate to all these obstacles. Which is the most common obstacle that you're facing right now? If you were to just be honest with yourself, think about that. Which one is maybe holding you back right now? Now, the key to mining the helpful truth of Scripture is to ask the right questions of it. Um, Asking good questions about the Bible it, it takes work, it takes diligence. But when you strike gold, it really pays off. And so. It's well worth the effort to get into the Scripture, to mine for God's truth for living. And so what I want to do this morning is, is to look at these three questions to ask to get the most out of a Bible passage. Typically, when you read the Bible, you want to read passages. That's sections of your Bible or a whole chapter or maybe a few chapters at a time if there's a story that's being told. But read sections. And then here's three questions to ask when, when you're trying to dig into the Scripture to get the most out of it. Number one is a question of observation. And observation is... What does it say? What is this passage actually saying? What do I observe in there? I'm not trying to interpret the passage when I'm asking this question about, you know, John chapter three, for example. I'm not I'm not trying to interpret what it all means. I'm just saying, what does it say there? Who are the characters? Where was it taking place? Who's interacting with who? And I just make notes. I'm either making notes on some paper or maybe a a book that I keep my notes of of my Bible study time. Maybe I'm making a mental note in my mind, but I'm not interpreting, I'm just observing. What is it that it's saying? Over time of observing the Scripture, you get good at this. You get better at just what I'm paying attention to, what I'm trying to pick up. You start recognizing characters and places, and you start seeing things. So that's the first um, question to ask. The second question to ask when you're trying to get the most out of Scripture is interpretation. We looked at this in general three weeks ago or two weeks ago. But it's the question of what does it really mean? After you've observed all the, all the info, what does it mean now? Like any form of communication, the Bible uses metaphors, it uses analogies, it uses phrases that allude to sometimes deeper meanings that don't always, um, you know, aren't always apparent on the surface. If I say to you, hey, you're pulling my leg. Now, I don't actually mean that you're, hopefully, you have not, you know, grabbed hold of my leg and yanking on my leg. Hey, you're pulling my leg, you know. Stop it. No, what I mean is, hey, you're kidding me. You're messing with me. That's a phrase that we would use. Well, the Bible has its own phrases. It has its own way of saying things. And so there's different types of literature. And, and so you want to understand, what is it really meaning when he's saying this? One, one key way to understanding the meaning, the interpretation of a passage, is the word context. Understanding the context. What is said before the chapter? What is said after the chapter? What is the rest of the Bible, of what I've read already, What does the rest of it say about this one chapter? I have to place this passage or this chapter, you know, with the framework of everything else that God is revealing. And so I want to try to understand this. Uh, Some of your Bibles have a cross-reference to it. And so if your Bible looks something like this, this is Genesis 1.1. You see in the beginning there, it's got some intro comments up at the top left, or maybe that's just a, I can't really read it that well, but at the one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And at the word God, there's a little letter A there. And some of your Bibles have these little letters that cross-reference and they correspond to the to the letter A on the left margin. And there's verses that you can go to and reference the key idea of those of those verses. Scholars have done the hard work of connecting this connects to this connects to this connects to this. And so you can you can dig in and try to have a better understanding of the context through using cross references, things like that. A third question, though, to ask after you've observed, interpreted, then you ask the question of application. What am I going to do about it? I've learned a lot. I think I understand what it's meaning. Now, what am I personally going to do about it? This is the end goal of all Bible studies. This is the key to finding the blessing in, in, in the Scripture. The, the, the promise that you find in the Bible is that God blesses those who are careful to do and, or to observe everything that's written in the Bible. There's a blessing for those who will obey. So what this does is this brings us full circle to the goal of being complete and equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what I want to do is I want to dig into a passage together right now. And what I want to do is kind of show you how this works. And if you've done this for a while, if you've been walking with God for a while and reading your Bible, then you know there's going to be a whole lot more in the passage than I draw out. Okay? I'm not going to touch on every detail but I'm going to try to walk through this. You can mine the Bible for years and years and still gain new insights, which is really amazing. But if, if you're new to reading the Bible, then what this is going to be is going to give you a taste of, of how to do that. How to get into the Scripture for yourself. So I want to look at a passage of Scripture. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 19-30. through 30. And we'll just walk through this together. And just, you can imagine yourself sitting there in a chair, in a comfy chair, by yourself. Just, you happen to be with, you know, 100 people. And, and you can... Just imagine yourself reading this and then asking these questions of observation, interpretation, and application. So let's, let's read this. It says in Philippians 2, verses 19 through 30. Actually, a little background stuff. You might, you might do this before you read your passage. Is If your Bible has some intro um, comments about the book, who wrote it, why was it written. Um, Paul, for example, wrote this letter from prison. So the author was writing from prison in Rome and he is he's the man that wrote a great deal of the New Testament but he's in prison for his missionary work okay he was spreading the message of Jesus and so they put him in prison for that he's writing to a church in a city called Philippi it's modern day Greece he'd been he had started a church there earlier and uh, years before now all the info I'm sharing you can learn this type of info from your Bible, if you have a study Bible. Here's, here's two helpful resources where you can get this kinds of information. The ESV Study Bible, before each uh, book, gives you some comments about the context. Also, the Bare Bones Bible Handbook, 15 minutes a day, you can learn about each book of the Bible, the major theme, kind of the key players, what's happening. And so, but this, this book, the book of Philippians, this is from Paul to the church in Philippi. This is a thank you letter. So it's written like a thank you letter. And this was him saying thanks for an offering that the church had sent to him in prison. He was in prison. They collected money. They sent that money with a messenger to Paul. Messenger comes, brings this gift, and Paul is writing back to them a thank you letter. And so that's the background of the book. Now, Philippians 2, here's what it says. Verses 19 through 30. This is in the middle of his letter. He says to them, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him. He's speaking of Timothy. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How is a son with a father? He has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I am, just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed, because you heard that he was ill. Verse 27, Indeed he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now, you might be tempted to just overlook this passage as a few random comments about the specifics of circumstances that don't involve you. Uh, It has nothing to do with me. Paul's thanking these people. I don't know him. I don't know them. That's, you know, Greece. I'm, I'm here. The Bible, you know, When you pick it up and you get into these sections, it's tempting to just put it on the level of reading like a thank you note for one of your family members. It's neat, but what relevance does it have for you? You know, you see this note on the counter. Oh, this is nice. Someone sent me a card. Oh, it's not for me. Eh, Who cares? You set it aside. This is oftentimes what we do. This is how we can read the Bible. We read it. Oh, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Now, this would be a mistake because there is some rich insight for us in this passage. The Bible says that all Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, the verse we first looked at, all Scripture is breathed out by God, which means there's some helpful insights for us in, you know, all of it. There's some, there's some helps. This is where the questions begin to help us. So what we're going to do is let's mine for some uh, more important, relevant truths about this passage. First, by starting with observation. What does it say? What does it say? On the back, you can, you can jot down some of these thoughts. You can write your own observations. What is he saying there? Three things stand out to me in this passage. First, and you could write this if you want, or you can jot your own down. Paul has a very warm relationship with the Philippians. That's something I note. Paul has a very warm relationship with the Philippians. And you can kind of see this, because it's like he's, you can see in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. See, he's really concerned about this church, and he wants to visit them shortly. He's sending this man Timothy to refresh them, and he's, he's Paul's sort of being separated from them, like a you know if you're separated from a, a distant but dear relative that you long to be with and you really enjoy this is kind of what you hear. There's this real warm relationship that Paul has with this group. That's something I note. You also see that in verse 25. Uh, verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, fellow soldier. Your messenger and minister to, your, to my need. You see, this, these statements are just oozing with camaraderie. He's, he wants to, this church to be greeted by these, by these certain men. And he admires some things about them. So here's another observation that I would make about this passage. Is Paul is sending two men to Philippi. Two men that he deeply appreciates okay, and admires. That's probably something I would jot down. Paul is sending two men to Philippi. Men that he deeply appreciates and admires. What is it that he admires about them? I might jot down, look at verse 20. I have no one else like him. Talking about Timothy. No one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul saying, Timothy, he's a rare guy. Verse 21. Everyone else, they seek their own interests out. Look at verse 21. Most people, they seek out their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy, he's a different kind of guy. He seeks to please Jesus By considering Jesus' interests, he puts those ahead of everyone else's. Even his own interests. He put Jesus' interests first. Verse 22, Paul says, You know Timothy. He's proven his worth with you. So I'm noting, wow, Paul, he's sending these these two men. Timothy, a guy he appreciates and admires, and then also Epaphroditus, another guy. Look at verse 25. He describes Epaphroditus. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. What you get from these words is, He's cooperative. He's a team player. So I'm just observing. Paul's sending good, like-hearted men to refresh this church. Verse 30. Epaphroditus, he risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Um, you realize that Epaphroditus is a courageous person from this, from this verse. Now the story is that, the storyline is that this church, they collected money to send to Paul Who's in prison for the gospel, as as a missionary in a sense, this church collects, takes up this collection, gives it to Epaphroditus, and sends him as a messenger to bring this gift to Paul. On the way there, he almost died. So it says in verse thirty, he he nearly died delivering this message, and so this came at great risk, at great sacrifice. Look at verse twenty nine. Paul says, honor such men. So I'm observing you know again the quality of these men that he's sending and then here's one other observation i would make is he tells the philippians to make heroes of men like this that's something he you know he's obviously saying hold these guys up in high regard make heroes out of this type of person and so what paul is saying is we start realizing there's some important qualities he's talking about so that that's the observation section i've just observed what i read in this passage now i shift to the interpretation I understand what's going on in there. Now I, I, I shift and I start asking about, what, what does it really mean? As you think it over, God is really, to us, He's revealing, through Paul's letter to the Philippians, the qualities of a godly person that we, we should aim for in our own lives. We should also honor in other people's lives. So here, here's four qualities of a godly person. Now this is one way I could interpret this. A godly person is unselfish. Genuinely concerned for for others. A godly person is reliable. I mean, They have a proven track record. They're cooperative. And then last, they're courageous. Paul's listing this stuff out. And and now I'm interpreting in the privacy of my own home 2,000 years later, these are some godly qualities that I should aim for in my life. And I should honor when I see in other people's lives. I'm making an interpretation. I'm applying this, or I'm interpreting this for, for here and now. Okay, And then now the final question to ask in, in my time reading the Bible would be application. What, what am I going to do about it? My goal in the application time is to take away one thing to work on, or at the most two. One, maybe two things to work on as I'm walking through a passage like this. You know, the reason is because I can do one thing and I can track whether or not I've done that. But ten things that I've just listed down as application, I, I have a hard time tracking whether or not I did anything this week. Or last week. You know, it's just very difficult to track that kind of application. So I read through the the passage. And I ask God, I might be praying about my observations and interpretation. I ask God, God, show me what I need to change. Show me what I need to do differently. Show me what I need to start doing. Show me who I need to honor. Because this this passage has all sorts of implications for other people, not just for me. And so here might be an application that I might have. I'm going to write a card and I'm gonna take a buddy out to to, to lunch. And I'm gonna give him that card and I'm just gonna say, the way you sacrifice for the kingdom of God motivates me. Thank you. Maybe that's I'm a guy, so the card would be pretty brief. You know. And I take him to lunch and I give him this card, and maybe that's the application point that I'm I'm taking. And that's something that's measurable. I know if I've done it or not. Um, another application might might be I need to personally, with my words, hold in high regard the people in our congregation who have the same qualities that Timothy and Epaphroditus have. Maybe that's an application. I need to speak well of the people who really courageously sacrifice, risk their lives. And I should vet my heroes through these lenses. I should, I should consider my heroes wisely because my heroes are going to impact the person I will become. This is how our lives work. We, we oftentimes become you know, the person, you know, a sum of all the people we, you know, that we're really close to. So I should guard my heart, but maybe my application is I need to honor my heroes more actively by you know, speaking well of them, encouraging them. Or maybe I might take a step back and look and decide, how does this apply to my own life? Maybe I need to take a step of obedience that requires courage. Um, for example, I might write, I want to courageously follow through on blank this week. Maybe I, ha- I have a thought about risk, some sort of risk I should take in my time or my finances or... Something related to what I see in the passage, maybe I write, I want to courageously risk in this specific way this week. And another another helpful book you might want to jot down to help you get better at this process of, of reading the Scripture is this Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks. But as we've been doing this whole series, our overall goal for the series is that we want to help you gain a deeper appreciation for the Bible. That it wouldn't be just this ancient book that has nothing to do with us, but that we would understand just how important it is for living our lives. Um, you will get stuck in your walk with God. If you're trying to walk with God, but you've set this completely aside and seen this as irrelevant, then you're going to get stuck in your walk with God. You don't get traction in life unless you dig into the Bible. Hearing it is really important. This is a really important time for shaping perspective, but on your own is so, so critical. Um, it was tricky for all of us at first to handle a spoon. If you think about it, think back. Can you think back that far? You know, but at a certain point, you got pretty skilled at handling a spoon to where your, your folks put a fork in your hand. Now, they were smart, hopefully. You might have a scars to show if they, if they started you off with a fork. But, you know, from a spoon, we learn and we can grab hold of a fork and we can do that. And then a butter knife gets put in our hand. We could slice through butter. And, and then eventually a sharp steak knife. You know, and then maybe a butcher knife. You know, and you, you're trusted with all of these things. I can get on a huge tangent here, so I'm going to stop. But that was part of all of our development. And so this, the Bible, is so critical for our growth. So critical for our growth. I want to encourage you. Do not give up on developing this habit. If you've fallen off the horse, get back up on the horse and, and start journeying again. Don't give up on this habit. If you do, you're going to struggle to gain much traction in your life. One thing that I would encourage is if you need someone to support you in this, jump in a small group, be honest about that need, and then encourage, you know, receive the encouragement and the challenge from other people as well. Um, I'd like to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage and I'd like to wrap up the message by asking you to think through what are your next steps for today. In a moment, we're going to be receiving our... our tithes and offerings, and you can certainly uh, drop the connection card. I'm going to ask you to finish filling out your connection card. You can drop that in the basket. You can drop any offering you came prepared to give in there in a few moments. Uh, But here's some next steps. You see these on your listening guide and on the back of this white card. Study 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 22. This is another passage I've pulled out, and I think it'd be a good passage to apply these three questions to. Observation. Interpretation application. Maybe try it out on First Thessalonians 5 and, and put it put this question asking into practice. Another thing is, if you don't have a Bible, would you write on the comment section rather than checking, pick up a Bible. There's no Bibles to pick up here. Um, but check or just write on the comment section. I need a Bible. We'd love to give you a study Bible if you don't have a Bible. And then last would be, invite those people that I've been investing in to Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday. I um, want to encourage you to... Actually, go ahead and invite personally, one, two, three people, personally, to join you for Easter service next Sunday here. Um, We're going to be celebrating Jesus' resurrection, which is really the single most important event in human history. It can be a source of, it is the source of power that changes and fuels change in people's lives. And so, I know inviting people can be a very scary thing. I know it can also feel very awkward to invite people to church. Um so I have a video to kind of relieve some tension here. And here it's just a brief video on the awkwardness of church hey Joe. invites. Hey Mike. Flutterbeds are looking good, neighbor. Hey, can you start it over real quick? Yeah. Nice and loud. I'll be inside in a minute. I'm gonna say hey to Joe. Hey Joe. Hey Mike. Flooderbeds are looking good, neighbor. Yep. You guys should get back from church? Ah, yeah, yeah, just been at the church house. I wonder why he never invites me to church. I mean, I'd go if he asks me to go. But this is the way it is. I'm out in my front yard when he comes home from church. It's always so awkward. It's so awkward. And I'm so hungry. Ugh. I think my wife made goulash. I love goulash. Oh, maybe Joe would like some goulash for lunch. Hey, Joe. Here comes the invitation to church. Yeah. You want to come over? Sure, sir? I'd goulash? love to go to church with you. What'd you just say? What'd you just say? No, what? No, what'd you say? What'd no, you, what say? you say? You said something about God. 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 Goo. 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 Goulash. 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 It's a. You're having goulash at your church? No. No, at my house. You're, having, you're inviting me over for goulash? Yeah. At your, goulash? Yeah, who doesn't like goulash? i like some goulash. Yeah, sign me up. Goulash. i us check and make sure we have enough. I see you walking away. That we found that, and we thought, let's show that we we admit and agree it can be an awkward thing, but um, invitations have a lot of power, personally. And so, so many of you are here because you were invited by someone. And so, I encourage you to extend an invitation Um, not that way. But um, this we do have an invite card. And if you're looking for how am I going to do it, just put this in someone's hand, say, Here, I'd love to invite you to Easter, join me, or join our family as we go to. Uh, Easter Sunday at OCC and drop this in their hands. We're, we're going to have Krispy Kreme donuts, a good variety of gourmet Krispy Kreme donuts. Not just the, the plain simple ones, but we're going variety this uh, weekend. And so, and then some other refreshments. So um, let's go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And so ushers are going to receive the offering right now. If you came prepared to give, you can certainly drop that in the offering basket. If if uh, I don't want anybody to feel any pressure. If you're a guest, you don't have to feel any pressure to give. Um, our church is supported by those who are, would call this church their home. and This is their church family. And so um, there's a variety of you that give um, outside of service. And so some people choose to give in service. Other people choose to give online. Probably more than half give online or through their churches or their bank's bill pay. And that helps with just faithfulness in giving. Giving is a spiritual act. And it expresses commitment to God. It also expresses commitment to a local body, a local church. It's a major step of trust, big step of obedience. It's a giant step. It sometimes seems to, to make a step like that because the money that we have, we work hard for. And so it's hard to part with. Uh, God does ask us to be faithful stewards, though, of the resources that he's entrusted to us. And so um, the resources that come in on Sundays and through the week, it goes to several things. It pays for us to meet here. It uh, pays the staff that we've hired part-time and full-time, pays for costs for the ministries that we have, mission support, uh, events that we do, and so just want to thank you all for for, uh, for those of you who pitch in. We, we just could not do this without you. I've got uh, an announcement. We have some new members, and so if you are one of these uh, new, newest members and you're in service, there may not be anybody in this service from this list because I think most people stood up last service, so... But if there is anybody, would you cheer them loudly? Um, in, the, in the New Testament, there is an implication in the Bible that Christians, Christ's followers, were a connected and contributing part of a local church, a local body of Christians. And all of these people that are on this list are, have recently decided to commit themselves to OCC as a member. And they've been through a process of classes and learning more about our values and our mission. And they've decided they want to really band with us to accomplish the mission Jesus has given us. So if you are here, Alan and Alexis, Andra, uh, Delia, Federico, Brad Long, Mel and Rachel, Luke, uh, Megan Ostrowski, Albert and Suzanne Rosales. You got to stand, though. And Ashley. All right. Well, welcome, Megan. <laughs> Most of the rest are uh, were in first service, and then I think one is actually in China right now. And so, um, so. But I want to pray, and then um, and then we're going to close our service with a song. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for this great day of just worshiping you, time to look in your Word, and and really to learn about how to dig into the Bible uh, more regularly. I pray that you would um, you would help motivate us in this area, that you'd help answer questions that come up in our mind about the Bible and the passages that we're reading. More than that, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, as we choose to get on your path and stay on your path, Lord, that we'd respond to you when we get off the path and we get right back on it, Lord. Lord, for those that don't know you that are here, that are just seeking you out and wanting to learn more, Lord, I pray that you would continue to draw them to to yourself and that you'd help them to establish a real relationship with you. Thank you for the work you've done in our lives. We thank you for Megan joining uh, OCC. And we pray that you'd bless her, Lord. May she be able to use her gifts here to serve. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless us the week ahead as we kind of prepare for Easter. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.